we can find hope and peace in God. By turning to God and turning our sorrows over to Him, we can experience comfort and peace and strength to face trials and to continue to live a successful Christian life. Please open your Bible to the Gospel of Luke in chapter number 15. Luke 15. It is Father's Day and this morning I am speaking um, to the fathers. But, do you know what it is that makes a man a father? The children. Without the children, if he, if he never had children, he can't be a father. Does that make sense? This is Math 101. So this morning I'm speaking to the fathers, and this evening, Pastor Ivan is going to be speaking to the children. You need both. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. Tonight is going to be a very special service, and um, you won't want to miss it. Well, being a father means being a provider and a protector of the home and family. The job comes with many joys, but it also comes with certain sorrows, but this is normal. In the Bible, we read of many fathers that endured many sorrows. In the book of Genesis, we find Adam, the first father, he suffered the sorrow of his son Cain murdering his brother Abel. That was a sorrow I'm sure he carried all his life. Later on in the book of Job, we find Job suffered greatly the sorrows of losing all of his children. He had ten children. He lost them all. He lost all of his wealth. And he lost all of his health. Later on, we learn of Abraham who endured the sorrow of sending away Hagar and her son Ishmael, whom he had fathered. Later still, we have King David who endured the sorrow of the death of his newborn son that he had fathered through Bathsheba. Later, he endured the sorrow of the sin and death of his son Amnon. And later still, he endured the sin and death of his son Absalom. These boys in particular were foolish. Proverbs 17.25 says, A foolish son is a grief to his father. In talking about sorrows, David wrote in Psalm 56, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. I wonder how many fathers through the years have wished for the same. Last Sunday, we looked at a certain father who endured the sorrow of having a demon-possessed son. And I suggest to you there in particular is a man, a father who was acquainted with sorrow. Even our Heavenly Father knows the sorrows of a backslider, the sorrows of wayward children. Today is Father's Day and I want to encourage all of the fathers here by dealing with the subject a father's sorrows. And we will see it in the story of the father and his prodigal son. Let's pray before we go any further. Our Heavenly Father, please open the eyes of our understanding this morning and help us to grasp hold of the truth. This thing about sorrow. Every father knows something about sorrow. Some more than others. Please encourage our hearts together. Encourage us as a church. Help us, Heavenly Father, 
to be everything you want us to be. Bless now. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. I do believe that the pressures today on fathers come in all shapes and sizes, including the stresses of marriage, children, work, dreams and aspirations, physical ailments, obnoxious relatives. Often, we fathers encounter a small sorrow, and then another small sorrow, and yet another small sorrow, and each time we try to suck it up and press on. But there can come a tipping point where it just becomes a bit too much, and we become cast down, we become discouraged. Of course, when we do, the devil's right there. The devil is there to accuse a father of his mistakes. I won't bother asking for hands of any of the fathers who feel they've made a mistake in life because all the hands would go up, even those who aren't fathers. <laughs> the devil accuses a father of his mistakes and his oversights. The devil accuses a father of not doing enough or not doing a better job. The devil uses feelings of guilt in his efforts to destroy good fathers. And sadly, these pressures can drive a father to seek escape from his sorrows and feelings of guilt and fear and failure. And when a father is looking for escape, guess who shows up? The devil. And the devil is only too pleased to try and help a father escape. The devil will tell a father to escape through drowning his sorrows with alcohol or using drugs or immoral sex or way too much time spent on hobbies or way too much time spent on sports or way too much money spent on buying things or perhaps Way too much time spent on personal appearance. These things are not ways of escape. These are just ways to bring more bondage and further problems into a father's life. Now bear in mind that sorrows can happen to a man at any age. But often this sort of thing happens to men when they, particularly heavy duty, when they get into their middle years, into their 40s and perhaps their 50s. And it seems like everything comes boiling to a head. And a man may feel like he's about to explode. And this is what is typically known as a midlife crisis. I've been through it. Solomon seems to have had a midlife crisis and he explored all the things a man could do in order to escape from his sorrows. He had the money. He had the position and power. He explored everything there was to explore, every way possible. And he found them all to be empty and unfulfilling. Literally a waste. Some men may be tempted to think that retirement will bring them freedom from all their sorrows, especially from the burden of working a job that they don't really care too much about. But after they do retire, they will find new sorrows. 
new sorrows they never had before. Number one, reduced income. A joke I still find funny to this day is the definition of retirement. It means twice as much husband on half as much pay. One day that'll be true in my life. Other challenges in retired life. New challenges to physical health. More trips to the doctor and to the pharmacy and so on. And of course, then there's the death of loved ones. That increases. Now, here's something interesting. A study done by the Shell Oil Company found that employees who retired at age 55 and lived to 65 in that 10-year bracket, they died 37% sooner than those that retired at 65. That's interesting. The study went on to say, in general, people who retire at 55 are 89% more likely to die within 10 years than those who retire at 65. I don't have any more details than that, but it's just an interesting study that was done by the Shell Oil Company. Sorrows are definitely a very real part about being a father. And sometimes we fathers feel absolutely powerless to do anything about it. Men by nature like to fix things. But there are some things we can't fix. And that drives us up the wall. Sometimes we feel chained. Chained to our problems like a defeated Solomon was chained to the grinding mill. Do you remember that story in the book of Judges? How they put out his eyes and they chained him and he had to walk around in circles of the grinding mill. A job that a donkey would do, they gave it to him. And sometimes fathers can feel like that. Chained in their circumstances of life or their problems, their sorrows. And sorrow can weigh us down. Sorrow can rob us of joy. Sorrow can make us feel hopeless. What can we do? What can we do? Well, here are three things to keep in mind. Number one, the reality of sorrows. No one escapes them. Sorrows are a natural part of life. The reality of sorrows. Let's take a look at the father who watched his prodigal son leave home and squander everything he had. Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. So he was looking for his inheritance early. What do you want that for? Well, he had plans in mind. And he, that's the father, divided unto them, that's not just the younger, but the older as well, both his sons, he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. Now, this parable, I believe, that Jesus gave pictured a father and his boys in Israel, where God wanted them to be. But the far country gives you the idea that the young guy went out of Israel. Maybe he went down to Egypt. Maybe he went up into Syria. We don't know. He went into a far country, possibly Babylon. So he goes into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. 
The idea of waste is something akin to garbage. Things that are waste, we get rid of. We put them in a trash can. That's what we do with our waste. Can you imagine putting your money into a trash can? Well, the way this boy did it was with riotous living. Every glass of alcohol he bought, every hour with a prostitute he bought, every way he could live riotously was just like throwing his money down a garburator. He couldn't have burned it faster with a match. He rip-roared through the money he had, and I'm guessing it was a substantial amount. I don't know, we're not told. There's dad at home. I guess there's always a parent left behind, isn't there? Here Junior takes off far away with a big bag full of money. And I think the father knew what was going to happen because he knew his son. We can only imagine the pain and the heartache and the sorrow that consumed this father. Day after day, week after week, month after month, as he waited for his son's return. There are people who argue about this story and say, what was wrong with that father that he would do such a thing? We're not given any indication or clue or answer, just the fact that he did it. But perhaps, listen, perhaps the father well knew his son. He knew what his boy was like. And he knew of his son's rebellious nature. He knew of his son's worldly ways. And perhaps this father felt that this was the only way his son was going to learn a valuable lesson in life was to slam into a brick wall, making a mess of his life. Did you know that sometimes our Heavenly Father will allow us to go through a similar thing? We'll have been set up with a golden opportunity only to smash it like a sports car into a brick wall. Only to waste what we've been given with bad decisions, riotous living. Makes me think of those people that win the lotto. You know that most of them, most all of them, they ripped through their money, and within three years, sometimes less, they're back to nothing. Sometimes after three years, they're not only left with nothing, but they're left in debt. They've racked up a bunch of debts. It's amazing how fast people can rip through money if they've really put their mind to it. Dad, let me ask you this. Dad, do you have any regrets? over mistakes you've made in your years. Perhaps you've been given an opportunity and you made a mess of it. Maybe something like this young man in our story here. And these are part of sorrows that a father must endure. Dad, you may have to carry those sorrows all your life. God forgives, he does. But sometimes we carry the pain with us. But dad, you're not the first man to have sorrows. In the book of Job chapter 14 verse 1 it says, Man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. Every man is born with trouble. So what do we do? 
Here's what you do. You acknowledge your sorrows. You don't deny them. You don't suppress them. You don't ignore them. You acknowledge your sorrows to God. And God knows how you feel about them. And God cares for you. And God invites you to pour your heart out before him in prayer. Psalm 34 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. God will not despise your honesty. He will not despise your humble cries over your sorrows. And here's something that every Christian father needs to know. Jesus also was a man of sorrows. The prophet Isaiah spoke of the coming Jesus in Isaiah 53. He said, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. What does this mean? It means that God himself knows what sorrow is all about. God suffers as well. And so point number one, to remember the reality of sorrows. Point number two, the reason for sorrows. Yes, God really actually does have a purpose for sorrows in our lives. Now, I direct your attention back to Luke 15. Please look at verse 14. Concerning this young prodigal fellow, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Uh Uh-oh. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Remember, it's a far-off country. Here this young Jewish boy went to a far-off country with a big bag of money. He wasted it. Now he joins himself up to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. How humbling for a Jewish boy. Verse 16. And he would fain. That means to have a great desire. F-A-I-N. To just desire more than anything. He would fain have filled his belly with the husks. That's the junk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. This poor young guy was in such bad straits. He was so hungry that he was looking at the swill that they would give to the pigs. And he was saying, boy, I'd I'd love to have some of that to eat. I am so hungry. And verse 17 says, and when he came to himself. Now that's an interesting expression. It has that idea of sort of shaking yourself and saying, what just happened? And now I'm in my right mind. I was out of my mind, but now I'm in my mind. Verse 17, when he came to himself. That means, that suggests anyhow, that back in verse number 12, when the younger, the young man said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. It means that he was out of himself. He wasn't in his right mind. And indeed, I I don't think he was. To do what he did. I think he was totally out of his mind. To do what he did. But at that time. He thought he was thinking clearly. Well my dad he's an old fogey. My dad he's 
the old generation. I'm hip. I'm with it. I'm of the new generation. I know better. I'm smarter. I'm younger. I'm stronger. I'm, my reflexes are faster. I got my dad beat hands down. I know what to do with that money. He thought. I think he was out of his mind. Because in verse 17, it looks like he came back into his mind. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. Verse 18, I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And before thee, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. Now, in all fairness, sorrow sometimes comes into our lives because of our own sin. There is a thing called the law of the harvest. You reap what you sow. And if you sow a lot of sin, you can reap a lot of sorrow. This is the case with the prodigal son here. So in this particular case, the reason, because we're talking point number two, the reason, the reason for sorrows, in this particular case, the reason for this young man's sorrows was his own sin. And the good news is that the young man responded properly to the sorrow. He got hit with sorrows. Yes, he did, like a ton of bricks. Everything was gone. All his so-called friends were gone. He had nothing. He was desperate. And he ended up in the field with a bunch of pigs desiring to be fed with the swill. And finally he woke up. He said, what's wrong with me? Even the servants, the hired help, they have more than enough to eat. (laughs) They could spare some even. They got so much. And look at me, I'm a son of the Father, and I'm perishing. Here's what I'll do. I'll repent. I'll go back and tell my dad I'm sorry. He responded properly to the sorrow. Sometimes, maybe more than not, I'm not sure, but sorrow is not always caused by our sin. Sometimes sorrow is thrust upon us. Now that was certainly the case in Job's life. Job wasn't sinning and he had incredible sorrows thrown upon him. And that sometimes happens where you're, you're living for God and doing the best you can. And out of the blue, you get hit by unbelievable sorrows. Can you imagine people who have suffered the death of a loved one? Maybe at the hands of a drunk driver. Or perhaps, and this is getting more and more common, at the hands of a shooter. Every week we're seeing shooting going on in the world news. Malls, schools, homes, churches. People are coming in there with their guns. Bang, bang, bang. People are injured. People die. And then the families of those who have been injured, and the families of those whose loved ones died are now heartbroken. They've got sorrows. Sorrow upon sorrow. 
And this can happen. However, some people are tempted to respond improperly to sorrow. You can respond to sorrow properly or you can respond to sorrow improperly. And some people respond improperly. And so what they do is they get a gun and they go out and they kill the person that killed their loved one. That's how they respond. But that is never the answer. Killing the person who killed your loved one does not relieve your sorrow. Instead, it only compounds emotional problems and guilt. And it will land you in prison for murder. It's never right to do wrong. Can I put in a little commercial here? I don't believe in abortion. I know our country has different opinions. But I believe that God, the God of this Bible, is the author of life. We don't have a right to go and commit abortion wholesale. I know my, my nation, Canada, the government disagrees, but that's politics. Politics change. They change. The Bible doesn't change. I stand upon the Bible. I don't believe abortion is ever the answer. Ever. Ever the answer. I don't believe it is. It only compounds problems. It's never right to do wrong. Sorrows that are caused by other people. What do I do when I've been offended by that man or that woman? Boy, they put the knife in my back. Oh, they did this to me. They did that to me. They hurt my loved ones. They hurt my children. I'm so mad. What do I do? What can I do? What you need to do is respond God's way. Respond properly to the sorrow. And this is where you need to give it over to the Lord. Day after day. Sometimes morning, noon, night. Throughout the day. In 1 Peter chapter 5 it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And that is a secret you need to learn. There's tremendous power and freedom. Job learned that valuable lesson because it was only when Job forgave his friends, when he prayed for them and interceded for them, that's when God healed Job and restored all of his blessings. The prodigal's brother, remember the prodigal went home and he had an older brother. There were two boys, not just one. The younger one was the prodigal. The older we call the elder brother. And the elder brother in the story, he had sorrow. Sure he did. He had sorrow upon him. When that younger brother came back and his father forgave him and, and threw a party for him, that older brother felt sorrow. He felt anger. He blamed his father. He blamed his brother. That's clear in the story here. He responded improperly. He got upset and blamed them. He wouldn't go into to the party. Wouldn't do it. But sorrow, sorrow is not the end of the story. You're here today, I'm sure you've got sorrow. It's not the end. It's not the end of the story. Instead, God has a reason. He has a plan for those sorrows. And he can and will use them to shape us and teach us. And to draw us closer to him. And to prepare us for glory. God can turn into the morning into dancing. M-O-U-R-N. That kind of morn. 
He can turn your mourning into dancing. He can turn your ashes into beauty. He can turn your tears into joy. And he wants to do that. Never forget that. There are always special blessings that are only available through the valley of sorrow. You won't get them any other way. God has special blessings. He will only give you if you respond properly to the sorrows. You imagine if I had a 10-foot pole across my shoulders and I was in the middle, five foot and five foot on either side of me, and on one end was hung a large bucket full of sand or perhaps water. Can you imagine how difficult that would be for me to walk carrying that? The answer is to hang another bucket with an equal weight on the other side. And now I'm balanced. Now I have stability. Now I develop strength. And this is sort of the idea what God will do for you and for me with sorrows. Because remember, there's, there's not a man on the earth who doesn't face some kind of sorrows. And fathers have their share of sorrows. But God has promised not to allow anything that's too much for us because he's wise and loving. Let me tell you a true story about a Christian man. Maybe you've heard of him. His name was Horatio Spafford. Horatio Spafford, he was a Christian father who experienced great sorrow. He was a successful lawyer and a businessman in Chicago in the late 1800s. He was a devout Christian. He went to church and his pastor's name was Dwight L. Moody. That was his pastor. Spafford and his wife Anna had four daughters and a son. In 1871, the Great Chicago Fire destroyed most of Spafford's real estate holdings. Two years later, in November of 1873, Spafford planned a trip to Europe with his family to recover from the tragedy and to assist his pastor, evangelist D.L. Moody. However, just before he got on the boat with his family... Spafford was detained in Chicago on business matters, and so he sent his wife Anna and four daughters ahead on an ocean liner that was named Ville du Havre. That was the name of the ship. Tragically, on November 22nd, the Ville du Havre collided with another vessel and sank in the Atlantic Ocean within 12 minutes. Spafford's wife was one of the very few survivors, but their four Beautiful daughters were drowned and lost, never seen again. When rescue boats came and Anna arrived in England, she sent a telegram back to her husband that simply said, Saved alone. Despite this overwhelming sorrow, Spafford turned to God for comfort. And the Holy Spirit led Spafford to write a well-known hymn. It's in our hymn book. It's entitled, It is Well with My Soul. In that hymn, he expressed his faith and trust in God in the midst of sorrow and tragedy. Spafford's example shows us that even in dark times, we can find hope and peace in God. By turning to God and turning our sorrows over to Him, we can experience comfort and peace and strength to face trials and to continue to live a successful Christian life. Let me tell you another true story about a Christian man. His name was John Erickson. And he had a very famous daughter, Joni Tada Erickson. 
Now, we spoke about her, I think it was last week. She was the, the girl who, as a teenager, she was paralyzed from the neck down because of a diving, a swimming accident. But her father, John, became paralyzed with grief over this. He struggled deeply with sorrows for his daughter, seeing her suffer. He expressed his pain to a friend in a letter. Here's what he wrote to his friend in a letter. He said, my dear friend, I can't even talk about it. I can't even think about it without getting sick to my stomach. I can't bear to watch Johnny suffer, knowing that there's nothing I can do to help her. It's tearing me apart inside. And despite his struggles, John Erickson turned to God, being a committed Christian man. He turned to God in prayer for comfort and for strength. He spent many hours in prayer and in reading the Bible, seeking God's wisdom to know his will and guidance. Over time, John became deeply involved in his daughter's ministry because Johnny started a ministry called Johnny and Friends. It's a global disability ministry that she founded. He became so involved that he became the chairman of the board for her ministry. And through his own experience of sorrow and grief, John Erickson learned firsthand the power of relying on God's grace and love. He became a great source of encouragement and inspiration to many people who were struggling with their own sorrows. You see, in the Bible, God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, He says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So you see, there's the reality of sorrows. Number two, there's the reason for sorrows. And number three, there's the reward for sorrows. Take a look, please, in chapter 15 and look at verse number 20. And he, that's the young man, arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Here's some reward. Reward for both the father and the son. It was forgiveness. It was joy. It was a happy reunion. It was a feast. Psalm 30 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Romans 18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the Christian, God always writes the last chapter. He has an ultimate reward for all our earthly sorrows. Bear in mind that total freedom from sorrow will be ours in heaven when we see Him and He wipes away all tears. Revelation 21 says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death 
neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. So like as in the case of Job, God rewarded his faithfulness through sorrows with many earthly blessings. But listen, even if we don't see many earthly blessings here on on earth, we will see the blessings in heaven. That's the promise of God. There is a reward. But we're not in heaven yet. We're still here on earth. And so what do we do with our sorrows? Well, number one, give thanks to God. Accept them as beneficial to your growth. Number two, realize that sorrows are part of God's plan for our lives here on earth. Number three, learn to cast all of your care upon him for he cares for you. The best way to do that is through daily prayer. Well, we need to finish up here. I want to tell you a personal story. Over 35 years ago, in answer to my prayer for greater spiritual growth, the Lord saw fit to put my wife and I through some sorrow and testing, the likes of which we'd never been through ever before or since. And we were sorely tempted to lash out in anger to those who were causing it. But we chose not to do that. And instead, we decided to put our trust in God and wait upon Him to fix our situation. So you say, what happened? Well, it took about a year. But God slowly turned things around in our lives. God began to give us many blessings. And like it says in Isaiah 35, they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. That's what happened to us. A couple of years ago, a man in our church caused me a lot of grief and sorrow. And he tried to publicly destroy my reputation. And being human, I wanted to lash out. But I decided not to do that. And I decided instead to put my trust in God the same way I did 35 years ago. So what happened? Well, what God did was he gave me peace. I could sleep peacefully at night. God also gave me protection. God also blessed me in several ways. And God even caused our church to grow. You know, it's a wonderful thing to see the hand of God. To see a few miracles in your life. Jesus told us in John 16, He said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So dad, today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. And may God give you a bright, beautiful, wonderful future as you cast your cares and your sorrows upon him. Would you pray with me now, please? Close your eyes and bow your heads. I'm going to pray in just a minute. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.